I want to ask, when you hear the word king or queen, what comes up in your mind? What do you think of? Is there some emotion? Is there a certain event that you remember? Uh, whatever it is, anyone, the word queen or king, what does that do for you in terms of your thinking or your emotions or whatever else? Don't all rush together, one at a time. <laughs> uh, well, when I hear the word queen, I... When I heard the word queen, um, it's usually Queen Elizabeth that comes into mind. Thank you. I have an interesting thing to say about that, if I can remember it. <laughs> Anyone else? Queen? Just royalty. Royalty. I think about fairy tales. Oh. Lady on Antics Roadshow the other night, fairy tales, thousands of dollars of um, value in terms of a vase or something. Did you? Uh, I feel like buying down. Buying? Buying down. Oh, buying down. Sorry, it's my accent. <laughs> I've got one too. In fact, I've got two. Think about leadership. Leadership? Thank you. Anyone else? Queen, king. Being the boss? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought you had your hand up. You had your hand up with uh, being the boss. Anyone else? Queen. I'm glad no one said Freddie Mercury. <laughs> Pomp and ceremony. Ooh. About a kingdom. Kingdom. Anyone else? Queen? King? I'm still um, doing what the law says, aren't I? Because no one touched it but me, so we, so we don't have to worry. I think of two words, wealth and responsibility. Mm -hmm. Responsibility, Wow. Fancy clothes and ceremonies. Ah. <laughs> Maybe I should stop now. Ah, there's another. As a young child, when the Queen came to Australia and we went to the showgrounds in Adelaide and everyone stood around waving flags at this woman driving past. Mm. I think I'll... Ah. I remember going to Sherwood Picture Show. Yes, Sherwood did have a picture show once upon a time and... Uh, to see the um, film of the uh, coronation of ah. uh, Queen Elizabeth.
You may have the mic back. I was going to take it back, but one can't take over someone else's ministry. Thank you. <laughs> As I was trying to say earlier, I knew nothing of most of that. Uh, but in terms of my aunts and uncles, there was one particular aunt, Aunt Olive, who used to tell all these stories, and she told me about how the Queen visited South Africa, and Aunt Olive got a special certificate for nursing, and a lovely long story. And when I checked with uh, my other aunt and uncle, they said, that's a lie. They said the Queen was there, but Aunt Olive never got those awards or certificates or whatever she said it was, but it was a really big thing. So I thought Queen Elizabeth, the current queen, and I went to Mr. and Mrs. Google to find out about the visit to South Africa. And uh, I found there that it was not the current queen, but her mum and dad. And I read about their visit to South Africa and I was fascinated and excited and uh, almost as if I was experiencing the same emo emotions. And it was a similar thing to what some of the people said. I'll just read to you just a short piece. There's a lot uh, in, uh, or rather on Mr. and Mrs. Google. But it's fascinating, and believe you me, it has something to do with uh, Saul and David. But first, to South Africa. And there are a couple of South Africans here who will probably take the journey in reality, as I read. In 1947, I thought, 47? I thought it was Queen Elizabeth. Well, in a way it was. In 1947, the royal family, King George VI, his wife, Queen Elizabeth, and his two daughters, Princess, Princess Elizabeth and Princess Margaret, undertook a leisurely three-month journey through their southern African dominions. The itinerary was by white train and was hectic, with train station views of towns such as George, Oatswan, Gravrenet, Grahamstown, Umtata, Alawal North. Larger centers, centers must have put on more substantial receptions and banquets. A day in Bloemfontein, East London, Port Elizabeth, my birth city. Game reserves came high on the agenda. Towns prepared and printed welcome programs and agendas for receptions, and these are now most collectible items of royal memorabilia. The Natal National Park gave them a welcome weekend break, and thereafter the park became the Royal Natal National Park. There was a celebratory ball at the Johannesburg City Hall with young women attired in gorgeous evening gowns, forming a tableau to represent the heart of Africa. Fireworks and bonfires blazed from the golden mine dumps and lit the, the almost lunar landscape of Johannesburg. The royal family visited the Turfontein Racecourse to see the running of the King's Cup. There was a ceremony at the Cenotaph with the King unveiling an inscription to the fallen soldiers of World War II. And then I put on and on and on it went. The king, the queen, and two princesses, the royal family visit to South Africa. It was quite an affair. And as I read through it on Mr. Go Mr. and Mrs. Google, 
the sort of emotion. I thought, wow, this was really fantastic. And I learned quite a bit about that. But then also, I learned a little more about the emotions and feelings of the English uh, from a TV series called The Darling Buds of May. And of course, for one birthday, I got that as a gift, the whole series. And there's a scene on the Darling, or in The Darling Buds of May where 10 people are in the bus. I won't give all the details. In this coach, this 57 Bedford bus, I think, it breaks down. And they find themselves standing outside the bus, and there's an open field. And as they're wandering around, it's the end of their holiday, they're going back home, and they don't care. They don't, they're not worried what time or when they'll get home. The bus is broken down. And suddenly one says, look, look, who's that? Two people on horseback. And one says, oh, it's the queen. It's the queen. And the other says, oh, it is the queen. And the one lady says to her husband, take off your hat. He takes his hat off. And they are almost breathless. And another lady says, oh, I can hardly stand. And they don't know what to do, but they want to show their approval and, uh, and their support and their respect. And they start applauding. And then one lady says, now I want to go home. I've seen her now. I've seen her. Nothing can top that. I want to go home and tell the children our experience. And I thought, that gives me some idea of what the queen or the king meant or means to some people. Now, if we can, let's take some of that excitement to the Old Testament. The honor, the respect, the exhilaration of God's people's first king, King Saul, given to them by God, as the Kids Church introduction said, given to them as they requested. And there's quite a bit in the Bible about the crowning of the king, the coronation ceremony. But a couple of verses are relevant to what happens to Saul later. These are the words at the coronation, and some of it is linked to Saul's, King Saul's downfall. Just a small part of the ceremony, Samuel says to the crowd, it's a sort of a kind of a coronation, and he says to the, to the crowd, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, Now here is the king you have chosen, the one you asked for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him, and do not rebel at his commands, and if both you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, good. But if you do not obey the Lord, and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your fathers. Their very own king, just like the nations around them, they will be protected. They will be provided for. The king is their battle warrior that they can show off in terms of the other nations around them. This, their sense of security and pride. The king is God's servant. The king is their protector and much, much more. So long live the king with all that excitement. King Saul did a wonderful job. 
Again, as we saw in the kids' introduction, fantastic job. And uh, one particular Bible has for 20 years, and they've put brackets there, and I thought, what is this? For the first time I saw in the notes, the Hebrew Bible does not put in the number of years that he was king or that he served, or what age, I don't know why. But for a number of years, he did a fantastic job until he did something religious that he wasn't supposed to do. Put his faith to the test. Something to do with the words at his coronation. The words I read earlier. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God. Now from chapter 13 in Samuel, 1 Samuel 13, verse 8 to 11, and then skipping verse 12, going to verse 13. This is a scene where King Saul's men are on the battlefield and they're beginning to shake with fear because of the enemy army. Samuel, the prophet, was supposed to have arrived, probably equivalent, well, not really, to a church service before you go into the battle. But Samuel, the prophet, was supposed to come and offer a sacrifice to God before the battle, which would have ensured uh, that they win their victory. And Samuel is late in arriving. And this is what happens. Saul's men began to scatter. So King Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And King Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. And King Saul went out to greet him. What have you done, asked Samuel. Verse 13, you acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he gave you. If you had, you would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. There's a prayer that has the words in it, David was a man after the heart of God. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Another expert says, one must understand also where King Saul comes from. He was under intense pressure and you could say work-related stress. So we lost patience and made a foolish decision. And another one says he lost faith. In the meantime, in the background was a starry-eyed young man who continued to honor King Saul. That youngster always respected King Saul as God's anointed servant. That youngster obeyed God to the hilt. David obeyed God's words regarding even the rogue king. 
And here's one other, one other event that happened that shows how David chose the Lord's way or God's way or obedience to God rather than doing his own thing. King Saul was out to get David, to kill him if possible. And uh, David and his men were also there in the area. And David's chance came to get even or to get King Saul. And from verse 5 of chapter 24, Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of King Saul's robe. Afterwards, I love the next two words, was David was conscience-stricken. I don't know why they didn't just say he felt guilty. Conscience-stricken, blast. What have I done? For having cut off a corner of the king's robe, he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lift my hand against him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. King Saul was going from bad to worse, under pressure. He disobeyed God's commands and words. And according to chapter 31, even though the first chapter of the following book, 2 Samuel, says something different, but according to chapter 31 of the first book of Samuel, King Saul finally lost a battle against the Philistines and fell on his own sword. And one commentary says this, Suicide was the tragic end of a man who never learned to repent. His life might have turned out very different if he had admitted his helplessness, committed his life to God, and allowed God to change him. If only he had turned back to God. In the meantime, in the background, was a youngster called David, David had already proven his faith in God in the past when he intentionally refused to disrespect or harm God's anointed king, King Saul. David was chosen by God to be the next king. And so the king is dead, Saul. Long live the king, David. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you are always more ready to forgive than we are to confess. And so we pray that we will constantly come to you and come back to you, pour our hearts out in your presence so that you may strengthen us for you are a Lord of endless mercies. May your holy name be praised as you continue to walk with us. In Jesus' name, amen.